Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk uh, 680. It's recording today, live on the 18th of August 2021. Things are a bit different. Uh, we have a, a completely different setup, and that's for a variety of reasons. First reason is uh, my daughter tested positive this morning, so we're kind of. I, I figured it was time to. To, to think about how I could work from home. So this is me working from home. Also, uh, a couple of our panellists uh, have, have succumbed to the uh, dreaded COVID. Uh, they're okay, but obviously that and then Rich is also tra travelling to uh, the UK for uh, some... Um, some gigs, some sheet gigs, so everybody's a bit busy. But anyway, I thought we'd try this. And, and very kindly, we have uh, Rans uh, Adamson, uh, Ransy.com, who stepped in. He's in Australia, so we're doing a number of things. Before I come to you, Rans, I'm just going to explain a couple more things. This Obviously, this is a music technology podcast, Sonic Talk, uh, it's episode 680. Uh, I want to say thank you very much to our friends over at Modal and also for Isotope for supporting the show. Uh, you can find the audio version of this everywhere. Uh, Alexa, Google, Spotify, iTunes. It all goes out, and also we're streaming this live on Facebook and YouTube. We've got our friends over. We're also on Discord, on YouTube, and also IRC and all of those good places. So if you uh, want to comment, I think everything's posting everywhere. So I think it's going to work. I can't remember if I've got it set up right. Whether the bot is still, it may not be, but you'll excuse me. So I'm at home this week, and what's really interesting technically about this is, I. I this is all virtual, so I am running a version of our switching software in the cloud, which is on an Amazon server in, uh, somewhere in America. I'm running remote desktop on my Mac here, but I've still got the MIDI working, which is going over the network via RTP MIDI to the instance, so I'm able to still switch and do all of the things that I'm able to do generally. Um, but this is a very much of an experiment, so I'm hoping that it's okay for everybody. There's a few, but there be, will be a few little uh, tweaks and issues and whatnot. But anyway, let's welcome our guest, Rans Adams, Ranzi.com, uh, who's there in, I'm not sure what part of Australia are you in, Ranzi? In Perth, Western Australia. Okay, and your this is your home studio. I see you've got the Behringer, um, the BARP 2600 and a bunch of modular. You have a, obviously you've got your own show on uh, YouTube, you know, regular streamer. You've got a very similar setup to us, in fact. You've been doing this a long time. So what, what, uh, what, where can people find your stuff and plug you? Let's, let's give you a plug first. <laughs> well, I mean, ranzi.com, you can just go to the website or you can just visit YouTube and find Ranzi on YouTube. And that's probably where you'll find me every week. Um, yeah, it's good good to be on here. Uh, been a long time fan of your show, Nick. Obviously, you've you've known me for a while. Um, so yeah, nice to be here and nice to see everyone chat. Um, and yeah. Yeah, well, we've got uh, friends, friends on the YouTube, I, although that's gone a bit wonky. I can't. That's one of these are the sort of kinks that we're going to have to iron out, or I'm going to have to iron out because everything is sort of virtual. But so far, it's holding together. Um, like I say, I'm not using my regular mic, so you're hearing a lot more background noise. I mean, a condenser mic. So my 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 laptop is fanning like crazy, which you're going to be able to hear. And I haven't got my swanky lens, um, but you know, it's good enough. So, um, so yeah, so uh, I suppose we should, there are some topics, I'm just trying to find it because my screens are all laid out a bit differently as well. So um, let's have a look and see where we are. Right, okay, yeah, this was interesting. So we're, we're now, we're now in, um, 
We're now 40 years into the computer revolution of the, of the PC. This is a great headline from uh, the Register, uh, Beige Against the Machine, which is just absolutely classic. I'm afraid I can't post any notes, in, uh, anything into the, the, the notes because I don't have uh, enough monitors here. Uh, turns 40, IBM, IBM PC turns 40. The original uh, PC, I think I've got a picture of it somewhere. Let's have a look. Uh, I'm trying to find it. Oh, here we go. These are what we're talking about. This is fully loaded, a couple of floppies, but the original would have had 16, 16K of RAM. You could have up to 64, you know, 4 megahertz. I mean, really, so much has changed. I mean, and, and yet now here we are, we're running all of this virtual stuff. I mean, this is quite a landmark. And 40 years sounds like a lot when you're, you know, maybe 18, but actually it's an astonishing shift, shift in technological revolution. And I just thought it was worth marking. Yeah, I well, I was around when these first came out, and uh, I mean, before these came out, I was a Commodore person, so I had a Commodore 64, Commodore Amiga. Uh, I think I might have even had a Vic 20 somewhere along the line, which was the earlier model. And so when these came out, there was a bit of a revolution. There was kind of um, there was the IBM, and then there was the the Commodore, and then obviously it was Apple. So there was kind of like sort of these these choices that people had, and you kind of went down a path. I think there was a few others like Atari and stuff. So it, it was quite a cool sort of period to be in because, uh, I mean, obviously this machine was pretty basic when you look at the specs of machines we have today. What is it, uh, 16K of RAM and only a 4.7 megahertz processor. So, I mean, look, this, this is really cool how it's, um, I mean, 40 years, wow, just that went quick, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting because back then there was definitely a sort of, uh, there was already a branching, wasn't there? The sort of BBC Micro and the Acorn and the Commodore, you know, they're already, the Commodore was already being used, you know, really early days for trackers and music creation. I mean, it was adopted very, very quickly and for kind of making sprite-based games, which was, I mean, all of that stuff happened. That There was an enormous explosion. I mean, the IBM obviously hit the business market huge because that's, you know, the rest is history, as it were. And in fact, I was listening to an interesting story the other day. Apparently, Bill Gates, that's when he started. He didn't have the DOS. He actually bought it from another company for, like, you know, next to nothing and then licensed it somehow. I don't know why they licensed it to IBM. So that's how he made his fortune. But nonetheless, I mean, I remember going to college and taking a basic course. I think it was in basic, in fact, and having, you know, to load the things in cassette from cassette and you make your program and it would just be kind of print your name all over the screen kind of stuff. It would be very, very basic. But I, I did. I don't know what it was, but I felt like I should probably figure out. And it was like a, an, an after hours course that I paid for. Uh, I must have been about 17, 16, 17, maybe a bit younger, actually, because the, the thing is about um, all of this stuff. I mean, it was so new that it wasn't really in schools and it was also incredibly expensive. So access to this stuff was astonishing. I mean, I, I don't want to go down the route of uh, we don't know how lucky we are. But actually, this all of this stuff was pretty unattainable. Back then, that was about 1500 quid for 5150. And that was just a business machine. I think I don't know what the Commodore 64s were. I guess the chat room might be able to help us out there. Do you remember? Did, is that where you, do you remember how much your first Commodore cost? Um, I think it was around, I mean, in, in British sort of coin, it probably would have been around the 200 pound, 200 pound mark. So they were pretty, pretty inexpensive. Um, they, they, those things were flying off shelves. They sold millions of those things. But um, yeah. I think the Commodore 64 came out uh, the next year. I think it was 82 when that came out. So, and that's when the clones started coming out. So you started seeing um, IBM clones. It wasn't just 
the IBM brand machine. And so obviously when the clones came out, you could buy something that was a little bit more affordable because it didn't have the IBM name tag on it. And I think the first clone was like a, was it the Compaq? I think the Compaq was the first company to clone yeah, it could be. the IBM. Mm. Yeah, there were a number. There were a so number. I mean, yeah, that's... the the DOS was became compatible. That was the the kind of that was Bill Gates' yeah. brilliant move. Was the fact that the underlying OS. I mean, it wasn't the same for. It was only for Compaq, and for the early ones. I mean, the Sinclairs and all of those things. They used something completely different. I think, didn't they? But I, 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 I don't remember. I mean, the chat room is full of uh, um, <laughs> the portable thirty pound portable pet. The, the yeah yeah ten print Chris one four one. Hello, yes. The BBC, BBC Micro as well. That was also. But I, I, I think it was worth marking, really, because of because of the, the. It's such a portentous thing, and we were talking, you know, again before the show, the pre-show, which I should plug. If you want to see the pre-show, uh, pre-show now gets posted to Patreon. Uh, if you want to check uh, our Patreon, just join us at Patreon.com/SonicState. Uh, we also post all of the videos that we post on YouTube. Are uh, um, Ad, that aren't monet that are monetized are posted on Patreon ad free, so you get that, you get downloads and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's an interesting. Um, just the whole thing is how much has changed. What's the name of the curve? There's a curve, isn't there? There's a sort of it, there, there's like a what's the the rule about uh, exponential growth and and the ability of technology? I should I can't remember what it's called now, but uh, we've they, they think we're heading towards the the, the the, the final sort of point of that until we get into quantum computing, which I guess is the next stage. And God knows what that will allow us to do. Well, that's, yeah, that's to do with the nanometers, isn't it? It's to do with how, how close they can get the... Yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, this thing's been going crazy for, for you know, 40 years, hasn't it? Uh, and Intel, when you think about it, Intel have really done well with that 808 um, or 8086, 8088 processor sort of and then just go on down that sort of path um, with pretty much the same, you know, sort of kernel structure of that processor. And um, yeah, it's, 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 quite, it's quite a good sort of history. I mean, even right now, I'm using an Intel-based machine that comes from that original, you know, 5150. Um, it's probably got some code set that still exists in it. Uh, so yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah that is a, I'm a big, I'm a big bias, fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Moore, yeah. Moore's Law, the chat room are very kindly uh, on news. Moore's that Law, to... that's it. Moore's Law, that's the one. That's the one that's important. Uh, so, yes, I want to say thank you very much uh, to the chat room. Uh, if, you, if you're interested in joining the chat room, uh, if you just go to sonicstate.com forward slash live, all of that stuff is there. Like I said, I am a little bit discombobulated because this is all very familiar, unfamiliar, but it won't take me long to get into my Because the other thing that's happening, when I flip to a web page, uh, which is, for instance, this uh, this web page. This is also running on the remote machine. So I'm running a web browser and screen capturing the web browsing from the remote machine, which is then being broadcast back to me via, I'm using something called uh, Teradici. So my Mac is literally just you know, a dumb terminal, unless I'm going to flip into the other programs. It's just showing me what my desktops are, because I can run up to three screens on my remote computer. So, it's, I mean, that that in itself is just mind-blowing, you know. And I can just yeah. switch it off when I'm done, yeah. which is kind of crazy. Um, okay, well, I think what I should probably do is um, quit, quit, not quit while I'm ahead, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll say thank you to our friends over at Isotope. Isotope Producers Club is a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. 
Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs, and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer, Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. And uh, actually, they've just changed the page. If you go to isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk, uh, you now they are offering uh, a couple of free months uh, to our Sonic Talk users. If you use the code, I guess it's Sonic Sonic 10. I don't know. Actually, the page has changed. So I can't cope with all this much change in one go. But I want to say thank you very much to Isotope for uh, their uh, their support and their continued support of the podcast. It's been much appreciated. Uh, right. So let's have a look at another topic. This is another thing because I've only got a limited amount of monitors. I'm having to flip to my notes, which are on a different. Yeah. So it's, uh, I just need I need another monitor and then I'm going to be sorted. But uh, then my my fan will be going even more crazy. Ah, yeah. Here we go. Let's have a bit. Hello. Of, uh, welcome to another Sonic. Lab. Today Firmware. we're looking at the Dreadbox I'm going to go Typhon. to the end. It's usually a play out. Yeah, this is the news that the uh, Dreadbox Typhon has had a rather surprise update to the firmware. This so is the, the Dreadbox uh, Typhon. You head round and you can always map. Oh, let's have a bit. There we go. Let's have a bit of sound. So yeah, it's uh, it's had a new firmware update for version four, which is beta, which brings MIDI over USB and also audio over USB, which is one of those kind of astonishingly. Uh, I, I don't, it, it, it's great to hear that stuff. I mean, I suppose uh, who else did that recently? It was the uh, Teenage Engineering OP1, wasn't it? But it's such a great sounding instrument. Anyway, I, I won't. I won't play all of that outro because what's the point? But yeah, so this is the news of the Dreadbox Typhoon. Let me see, I've got a page here somewhere which I can bring up just to enhance it. Oh, this is weird. I'm seeing it like the US users. Uh, oh, there doesn't seem to be anything showing up there. Never mind. Ranzi, have you, have you, do you get much Dreadbox action in Australia or is it one of those really difficult to get hold of imports? I've I've had to buy Dreadbox stuff uh, by importing it. So uh, I use a, a UK-based uh, retailer to buy it from. Um, I do have a I do have some Eurorack modules, uh, which are the Chromatic modules from Dreadbox, which are absolutely brilliant. And uh, I, I love the Typhon, by the way. It's uh, it's actually something that's on a list of for me to get um, when the time comes. But I mean, yeah, MIDI over USB and audio over USB is a brilliant addition to this. And I think it'll it'll just make this thing even much more. And that's a free gift for anyone who's got one. So that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, one thing that's kind of interesting is because it's USB powered, that you get these problems unless you've got a, 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 a one of the a 
unless you've got your USB power sorted out, if you plug your USB power supply into the Typhon and then the same USB hub or is connected to use anything else that's connected to your computer to the sound card, you can get ground loops. So the fact that you just go straight USB and you don't use the USB audio outputs, um, then you can bring it into your machine, which is, I don't know what the aggregating situation is on the PC, but on the Mac, it's not so difficult to do. So you could bring that as an input and you would get round that. So it gives you those things. I mean... I think that's one of the problems with USB over power. We do get this sort of ground loop issue. I know that Artoria ship a bunch of their stuff with that little dongle, which is one for power and one for data. And it's got, I think it's, a, it's not an optical decoupler, but it's got an earth lift. So you don't get that ground loop because quite often if you've got, say, for instance, uh, I don't know, the Keystep Pro plugged in, uh, into your computer and using the USB, but you've also then got the CV and gate going to modular, which is plugged into a sound card, which is plugged into your computer, you get ground loops. And that is, a, it's one of the things that is a real problem about USB. But I mean, just the fact that they brought this out is a fantastic. You know, that, you know, they're a small company. Let's not forget, they're a little company and they're based in Greece. Yanis uh, is a top chap. Uh, I think he's going to be going to Superbooth. We're hoping to get there if the COVID situation allows us. But it, I can honestly say it's what it, it has been one of my favourite synths for a long time because it's got that t- Dreadbox beef. You know, the oscillators are massive, the filter's massive, but it's also got the Sign Vibes DSP, which are lovely and create this kind of huge soundscape. I mean, some of the patches in there are insane. I mean, it is a little bit menu divey, um, but you get around it very quickly. And they've 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 rechanged the foot. This is beta version four, so I think when I reviewed it, it was probably one point something. So they've changed that up quite a lot. But uh, it's a free download. Um, I haven't put it on my machine. I don't know whether I'm going to get the chance now because again, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get back to the studio or not. Um, but Ramsey, if it's on your list, I would thoroughly recommend that you uh, do check that out. Yeah, I mean, look, things came out recently. Recently, uh, in terms of talking about um, USB connectivity, was uh, the MPC uh, and X and Y just going to be uh, audio interface edition on that firmware? So uh, that would mean that really in to the MPC if it's class compliant, and then you'd be able to use the, the MIDI and the audio. Uh, features directly into your MPC, and that would be a huge thing for MPC owners. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the uh, engineering thing as well. So, up a little bit there. Hopefully, that won't be uh, too much of an issue. But uh, yeah, got to look at that. Great. Uh, congratulations to Yanis and uh, Dimitra for their uh, the their new addition. They've, they've also got, uh, <laughs> Dreadbox range. Um, the, the little girl. So uh, she's going to be inheriting. Her dad and her mum's synth shops, I hope. But uh, yeah, do check that out. It's, it, it, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it as soon as I possibly can because I, I'll be interested to see what other stuff's going on in there. Okay, um, let's see what's next on the list. Again, I've got to switch. Uh, ah, yeah, here we go. And uh, speaking of updates, uh, this is the news. This isn't out yet, but welcome to the Uno. Synth it's going to be out soon for Mac and PC. The ultimate MIDI tool to tweak, edit, manage, and customize the presets of the hardware unit within a software plugin and standalone application. Let's take a look at the various parts of the editor. The top bar includes the load and save to local buttons. 
Yeah, this is the news that uh, basically uh, when IK brought this synth out, which is the UnoSynth Pro and the UnoSynth Pro desktop, I believe, or I don't remember which way around they are, um, people were crying out for a, an editor and they said, well, I'm not sure if we need one. And I, I would say you absolutely do need one. But this it's not out yet but it's going to be out soon and again this is another re it's a really great synth i've the review i did of uh, the unosynth pro i was blown away by it i mean it's very dreadbox vibe you know but it's got a lot more hands on I mean, the the monster those oscillators are absolutely monster and again it's got some really nice effects in it have you had a chance to play with an uh, unosynth pro yeah i have and i think I think they're really good, actually. This this actually this editor is going to be cool because um, you, obviously you can bring it in as a VST, and then you'll be able to you know in your DAW you'll be able to automate some of those uh, features in there. And also, like you said, you can get into the back end of it, um, which makes it a lot easier to create your own patches and things like that. So, I think it, it's it's going to be a, a huge uh, lift for that synth. Um, I definitely think it needs it. That's for sure. It's a great synth. It is. I mean, I think because I, I reviewed the Pro, which is a nice thing. It just it does feel um, a little expensive for essentially, you know, the, the case and the keyboard. The keyboard's nice. It's a good quality for tar. But for the, the deal, the desktop is, well, you're getting a three oscillator synth with those great uh, effects. I think it's, I think that's about 299 or is it 399 It seems like a really reasonable price for that. I mean, it really takes it into kind of the, 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 the price bracket that Behringer are occupying. But this sounds, this is, it sounds better than many Behringer's, not, not, not that Behringer are bad, it's just that some of the synths that they're emulating don't sound as good as the, the Uno synth. I, mean, I would say the Neutron is probably, uh, sounds better, or sounds as good as the IK, but with three oscillators, fully featured, the, 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 the three oscillators are all identical, so there's no, uh, they're just full range, full fat. And they do, they do sound fantastic. I mean, I I I would hardly read. Did you did you get one in for review, or have you just played it at a show? What how did it work for you, then, Lance? Uh, at a shop, actually, I, I mucked around with one um, numerous times. Actually, everyone time I visit the shop, I would sort of gravitate towards uh, the the um, the keyboard version. Um, sorry, not the desktop version. Is the one I I sent, I tend to sort of like more. I uh, just felt that it was just really well built. That uh, the keyboard version. The desktop one's fine. It's, it's obviously, the sounds and everything are the same. I just, I personally felt the, the keyboard a nice change for 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 Uno or Uno because um, they don't usually build the sort of bigger stuff. They usually build the small, you know, form factor stuff. Yeah, so it was absolutely. quite quite refreshing. Yeah, they they really. I mean, the, the, I've forgotten the name of the chap that uh, that designed it, but we, I did an interview with him, and he's really enthusiastic and really kind of into what I think. Because I know IK have have a bit of a reputation for sort of almost just sort of making the lowest common denominator sometimes, and, and maybe not kind of the finesse. But the, the this is, I mean, it is a little still a little mm. rough around the edges, but it's trying to achieve an awful lot. It does a heck of a lot. I mean. If you haven't tried one, I mean, I know this is sounding a bit like an ad, but I would really recommend it because everybody I've said you should try one, they've gone, oh my goodness, that sounds amazing. And it really does. And the editor will help. Again, because, you know, it just means recall. As we know, I mean, the thing about having editors, it's not necessarily, you know, it, it's not that necessarily a, an analog synth should need an editor. It's just that if you're making sounds and you can just save the settings in your DAW of the sound you're working with, 
I don't know whether it works out. What they should do is just save the front panel setting. So when you bring it back, it brings it back to where it was. So you just go snapshot is where where my synth is right now. So I don't have to worry about storing it in a patch or whatever. I mean, those are the things. When I was a kid, you know, working with uh, stuff like the D110, you know, setting up a, an eight-voice, multi-eight-part, multi-timbral thing with drums and everything was quite fiddly via the front panel. But what you, what I used to do is I'd get it all set up rather than save it. That when you pressed enter, it would dump a snapshot of the entire setup as a system exclusive. And I used to just put that in. You know, I'd start my song at bar five and have all the system exclusive dumps going to the synth. So you press go and it would just go bang there or stick it at the end of the song so you never play it back in again. And it's just a really good way of saving things. And I think that's that's something that would be uh, would be nice to see in editors, whether it can do that sort of stuff. I don't know whether that's possible. Do you I, I can't remember, Rans, are you uh, do, are you uh, of the age of uh, D110s and system exclusive dumps and all of that kind of business? Yeah, I'm, I dabble on the old system exclusives. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel a lot of the stuff these days don't have ability for us to, to manipulate SysX. And I think, like, even the MIDI controllers, they lack. They, they always go with the, um, you know, the CC or the NRPNs or something like that, but they don't put, allow us to, to put SysX messages in. And there's only a few. And I think, uh, you know, for the MIDI controller manufacturers out there, please put SysX editing features in your controllers so that we can uh, do the stuff that Nick was just talking about. Well, the, yeah, there was, because there were some that were allow you to capture, don't you? So you could just go send and, like, okay, capture this. And then decide which byte I'm going to use a knob maybe to, uh, to, 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 what, yeah. While I'm on the subject of controllers and plugins, as a reviewer, and I think I'm not just a reviewer, but you know, if you, if you get a new plugin and you've got, want to flip through the sounds, please, 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 MIDI map plus or minus patch, please, because I'm, you know, if I'm reviewing something, I've got a keyboard to my side and I've got a sound and I have to usually go to the menu or hit the chevron either side of the uh, of, of the current patch to change patches. I want to do it all from a MIDI command or hardware. So I'm there, I just go, yeah, next, 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 next. You know, I, I would really, and there's very few instruments that do I don't know if it's a limitation of the way that the plugins work, but I would really like to see people doing that because it, it, it drives me mad if I'm because I'm like this and I've got a mouse and then I'm kind of uh, it, yeah I need mm. I need patch yeah. advance shortcuts please yeah absolutely and I think the yeah the other side of it that I see I'm I'm kind of um, I'm really excited about MIDI 2.0 because um, some of that stuff that you were just talking about is actually sorted out in MIDI 2.0. And that would oh, make yeah. your life easy and it just in that native 2.0 sort of world. So I'm really, really keen for them to actually get this thing out and we can start using it. And uh, yeah, so um, CSX will still be in there just as it is now. And um, yeah, I just, I, I just honestly think that they're, Maybe it's because people don't get their head around it properly, but you don't, I don't know, you don't really need to understand what what the SysX string says, but per se, if you, you know, you just need to be able to capture it. And I think that's, that's the important part. If they give us the ability to capture it, we can then, if we want to, if we want to be nerdy about it and edit it, we've got that feature. Um, I think, yeah, away from that, I think is probably the good point. 
Uh, I've just realised I just hold on. I've lost me YouTube chat. Oh, that's back. I think I was just trying to get it to be it is, uh, yep. sort of a bit more readable. Sorry about that, folks. Like I say, this is very much a a, a work in progress um, stream. Uh, I'm very pleased that Rans uh, Ransy dot com uh, Rans Adamson joined us from Australia so that we could test this out. But this is all remote, all cloud based, and it's kind of it's quite exciting. It's kind of very cutting cutting edge. I'm told uh, video production, but that. It's it's also a little unfamiliar. Um, let's see what we're doing for time. I think what I might do is just uh, have a word from our friends over at Modal. Let me just uh, bring that up and we can just drop this. Of course, this is the uh, Modal Cobalt 8, uh, which had a recent firmware update and a whole new bunch of patches. Uh, Morph more four-pole ladder filter, eight-voice extended virtual analog synth, innovative oscillator with not 34 algorithms, more now, I believe. Internal sequencer and arpeggiator, 29 inch endless encoders, MPE support, which is really nice. Modal app for Mac Windows. If you want to check it out, head over to uh, bit.ly slash getmodal and you can find out a whole bunch more about their stuff too. I want to say thank you very much for them for supporting the show. Uh, always appreciated. Uh, right, um, let's see what what's next. Let me just scroll down. Uh, oh yeah, here we go. This is... Yuhi goes native. Uh, so, yeah, amongst the first, I think, of the big plugin makers. Yeah, um, hello, everybody. Welcome to another. Oh, I'll play it a bit today. further up. Uh, we're very lucky that we've got uh, one of the few I find a bit more of the end. Magazine way. So, I was running. This is Logic using the clip functionality. Um, basically, they've most of it. It's not, I was a bit. Uh, they didn't tell me that it wasn't their entire range, so it's a little bit factually incorrect on the video. But actually, it's most of the range are now M1 native. Okay, big deal. Everybody says, but actually, if you've used a, 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 an M1 uh, computer, you kind of get why that's a big deal because they're so efficient and whatnot. I mean, I know there's loads of people who don't want to buy into the Mac ecosystem and that kind of fixed architecture, and I totally get that. That's fine. But if you do and you are using that stuff, then this now is a free update to existing users it's the entire range apart from i think ubic and there was one other program but they're going to be coming out um, with big updates anyway and they'll also be m1 native and it's not an insignificant amount of work um yuhi obviously um makes some really good stuff there's diva there's zebra 2 there's uh, hive 2 uh Bazil. i mean i try to use as many of those things i don't ranzi i don't know whether you're mac or pc based or whether this affects you much but it's a it's a big deal it's a sort of thing that everybody expects but perhaps they don't really how much work goes into actually making something like this happen, right? Yeah, I, I mean, the I've got an M1 uh, Mac sitting right there, and uh, ah. one of the things that you first re realise is that everything's running pretty much on Rosetta, which is the emulator for the Intel platform, and um, you've got um, it's actually hardly noticeable, but sometimes you do get you know just frustrated with it um, because you might see something like. It, it buffering or something like that. When when manufacturers like uh, software engineers like you have brought out the code that's actually written for the silicon platform, that's really really good because it means that 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 software will now just run natively on that machine, and it's not having to run through an emulator or a bottleneck. And uh, for us as musicians, um, having multiple instances of uh, Diva or you know, uh, Hive or something like that. It's going to be it's going to be so cool. And um, from what I can tell, uh, people have been talking about um, this 
actually running super, super quick and, uh, and comparing it to it running on an Intel-based Mac um, and like the two sort of side by side and they're, and they're noticing that there's not as much CPU usage, not as much RAM usage. So that, that sort of stuff is what we can look forward to and, and it's really good that you brought this out. So more will come. Absolutely, I'm interested. So you've got because I I had the 24 uh, inch iMac that Apple sent in just for you know to review. For some reason, we're on the list of people that they they send stuff to, which is great. But it's also it's like being teased because you know we don't get any discount, we don't get any of that stuff, and I'm I'm not ready to jump yet because I I don't want a 13 inch MacBook. I need a 15 inch because of the screen, and I don't even know if it'll run half the things. I, what's your experience with things? You know, where have you found problems with the M1? How is it for large sample libraries? instruments and have you have you run into any of that stuff i'm curious to know what your experience is yeah well i'm, I'm running ableton on it and ableton's running fine uh and the first thing um that i did when i got it uh was put ableton on and started loading my old projects and obviously it was a bit of a pain because i had to install all the you know the vsts and uh you know those sort of um plugins and things on there and i noticed that some of them weren't as uh as reliable as what they would have been if they were on a an Intel, and some of them didn't work at all. So um, yeah, that was a bit disappointing. But you get you sort of get you get around that. I've luckily for me, I've got an other, I've got an Intel-based Mac, uh, so I can if if I need to go back to an old project and it can only run on Intel, I'll just use that. Um, but yeah, I'm really sort of I'm really hoping companies like able to. Uh, I mean, I use I use the Macs for sort of uh, video editing as well because obviously I do YouTube videos. So I'm really hoping for companies like Adobe or Adobe, uh, however you want to say it, to bring out the you know the silicon-based versions, which they've promised. It's it's in beta mode I think at the moment. So I think a lot of this is is very soon, um, and I, I'm 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 ready. Give it to me. I've been sitting on uh, what is it called? Big Sur is that the new operating system's name? Big Sur. Um, um, for a while yeah, now. Yeah, I don't. And, I mean, uh, I, I haven't gone past my Harvey, so. Uh, <laughs> so. They've just done a big update, actually, on Big Sur, and I was thinking, wow, a big update. And it, it wasn't as big as we all thought. <laughs> it was just uh, um, some bug fixes. And yeah, so it, you, you kind of just keep crossing your fingers that the next time you see a Photoshop update or an Ableton update or something like that, that, that it's going to be the, the, the silicon based one. But yeah. I'm, I'm super keen to get um, into the Yuhi stuff because I, I absolutely love Diva. It's a really, really good uh, VST synth, and um, it'd be nice to see that work efficiently, definitely. So, um, were you, I mean, have you got the 8 gig or the 16 gig? Because I'm curious to know how, you know, if you've got like a big orchestral library in there, I don't know whether you've got anything like that or massive pianos. Is that a. a is it swapping a lot? I mean, have you have you come up against that, any of those issues, or is it just you're running mostly sort of real time process? Most of the stuff that I've run has I've got sixteen by the way. Um, most of the stuff that I've run has not really had any sort of issues. Um, so the file I/O part of it is is native. Um, so that's you know that seems to work fine. So you know disk streaming, playing samples and things like that seems to be okay. Um, I think the, the area where it it, it tend sort of improve is that on the on the plug-in side. So um, soft synths and things right. like that. Um, I've had some dramas with, and it's not a negativity or anything. It's just that I've I've used Roland Cloud a bit, and I've had some dramas with those 
taking up a lot of CPU, but they did on the Intel machines as well. So that would just be an inherent code thing that's just come across. Um, big sample libraries, I haven't had a problem with that. Um, in fact, I actually find the file I.O. on the silicon really efficient. I think it's an improvement, definitely. I suppose the big problem is, and this is a totally fair comment, is like, you know, the, the, the SSD is built in, or the NVMe and the RAM. I mean, okay, the RAM isn't so much of an issue because it, it's so intelligently swapped, but, you know, eventually an NVMe or an SSD can burn out. I mean, what happens then? You, I mean, don't want to throw this kind of stuff away. I mean, they really, that's the problem, you know, the, this kind of almost obsolescence. And I, that's a problem I kind of have with, and I think they're maybe going to need to address that just in terms of, because you can't, you know, I mean, these computers are, more affordable the base level the base level affordable at silicon it outperforms anything they've ever you know quite often it outperforms the stuff that was much further up the food chain in the previous range so you know you can't complain too much there but if you do want if you are going to invest a lot of money in the system on a chip you better be sure that that NVMe isn't going to burn out or you're not going to end up with a corrupt drive that means, OK, sorry, you've got to throw this away because we, we don't want any of that happening. I mean, that's just a poor thing. And I, it's too early to tell that kind of thing, I suppose, at the moment. It's not it's not viable to kind of know whether or not that's uh, that's going to be an issue. But And those criticisms are totally fair enough. And a lot of people don't dig the Mac ecosystem, and that's fine. And one thing that I will say where it flies as well, and I mentioned this before, is we use uh, something called DaVinci Resolve now to edit our videos generally and normally I'm working on that on a PC um, Andy um, my business partner he bought like a 13 inch MacBook Air I think it was uh, and that runs a 4k monitor and edits and renders the projects that that the that the big PC you know deals mm. with but this yeah. is on a this was a base level so it cost I think about 800 quid plus that you know which is pretty impressive so it run a so he's got this massive yeah. 4k monitor behind this tiny little laptop running this huge huge sort of nle edit system which is a black magic which is a great uh nle uh davinci resolve is a great nle and it's absolutely fine and that that's something that is very impressive that the way that it can handle the gpu and stuff in, integrated that's really for some people that's quite important i think well, i think we're at one of these crossroads you were just about IBM, you know, 5150 back in the day, I think we're at one of these crossroads again where you're going to see, you know, there's a, cha there's a change about the Intel-based platforms and, you know, the ARM-based processors, are, are, you know, they're on our phones, they're on our tablets. Those, those phones and tablets are running so, so many apps and things so well. So it, it was kind of a no-brainer for them to go down that path. Um, I kind of feel... Nick, what you're saying about the MacBook Airs and um, even the, the MacBook Pros, their versions of the MacBook Pros are probably only just very similar to the MacBook Airs in terms of spec anyway, the ones that are out now, the, all the M1 range. Yeah, it's incredible what you're seeing, video rendering. I mean, I'm using uh, Adobe Premiere on, um, and doing video rendering. Um, I'm using Ableton. I'm doing, you know, when you export you know, to audio, when you're doing your stems and things like that. All of that stuff is super, super quick. And it's actually in really like, it's like 10 times, 15 times faster than, uh, you know, I've got a $5,000 PC sitting here with NVIDIA cards in it and stacks of RAM and uh, it's faster than that. So yeah, I, I can exactly see what, exactly what you've seen as well.
I think what's going to be very interesting about this is as everything, because I mean, there's another aspect to using ARM chips. It's not just Apple. I think that we're going to see a lot of stuff gravitating towards this because as developers, if developers are doing innovative stuff for ARM chips, they don't want to be necessarily doing it for stuff that's maybe feels a bit old, you know, like the old Intel chips, which sound like, oh, they're not old. There's perfectly fine and current and Xeon or whatever. The idea that all the all the kind of really interesting stuff in the creative software will be developed for the ARM chips. So that would make sense for, you know, other operating systems to run on it. But when where we're going to see the big leaps uh, is probably the way that uh, GPUs get integrated because NVIDIA, um, as we know, they've been cleaning up recently because this, I guess this is a little off topic because their, their, their GPUs are so fast, people are using for Bitcoin mining, but they're equally as good for, mm. for doing other things as well. So you might see like a, uh, your, your M1 or your, your ARM-based system on a chip-based thing, because I think uh, Google are doing one for their phone as well. Uh, so it, it's definitely a trend going in that way. So we might end up seeing these kind of, this divergence. You know, everybody uses ARM, but for the for some of the big grunt work, it's going to be GPU only. And then, you know, so we'll end up with this kind of, mm. it, it'll normalize a lot of things, but also the real fancy stuff will be uh, running on GPUs or, you know, the high-end video, the, the kind of, I don't know, the... the I don't know what that might be for render farms that you might use for kind of big blockbuster films and whatnot will be running on NVIDIA GPUs. Because a lot of people, what they're doing now is they're buying loads of Mac minis because the AI cores can do this incredible stuff for rendering polygons and sort of uh, uh, augmented reality and all this. It's, it's bonkers what they can do. So, and you can just stick a bunch of those. In fact, I think, if I remember correctly, uh, uh, Amazon, uh, AWS, you can now, you can launch mac mini instances on amazon they've got a bunch of them in data centers so you could just burn, you can spin up an, a, a mac mini and run that in the cloud because as this show is being for the first time run via the cloud on an instance i can also run a davinci resolve instance i can also run other instances and if your video ingest is coming from all over the world you could be editing just on a dumb terminal and you know just moving the data around is i mean it's there's some until until you're occupying or seeing the benefits from these new working methods, and it seems unnecessary. And I'm beginning to see that stuff. I don't think it's necessarily going to work for audio because most computers, you know, are massively overpowered for what most people need most of the time. You know, there aren't many computers that can't run enough plugins to write to write a track. But there is going to be a shift in terms of as we integrate more things. Maybe it's going to be down to Atmos mixing in uh, in virtual, you know, virtual Atmos systems or whatever is going to require more. Going. I don't know. I, mean, I think I think it's an exciting time and it's going to be a lot of change. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Atmos stuff uh, really floats my boat. Uh, I remember. Um, Years ago, uh, an interview with uh, Jean-Michel Jarre, he was talking about when he did his recordings, he recorded them in uh, surround uh, 5.1 and all these different types of uh, multiple, um, you know, points, sound sort of things. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, as a recorder, we, a, a lot of us just record stereo and we don't really yeah. think about that sort of three-dimensional sound and our ears are actually built for three-dimensional sound. So yeah, it, it's something that really, really interests me and um, I think it's gonna be an area which will grow for us as musicians, definitely. I've not experienced it yet. I mean, I've really, because I don't own any, I mean, for much as, you know, I, I use Apple laptop, but it's an old one. I don't have any, you know, 
iPod Pros or anything. I haven't kind of uh, gone the Atmos route, but I know like Yoad Nevo's uh, kitting his studio for mixing Atmos. Uh, we've got another using connectivity. I hope this is going to be all right. I'm still running. Hello world. <laughs> Oops. Uh, is it still going? It seems to have. Uh, we seem to. We got a, just connection. a little glitch from you then. No, okay, still going. well, I think just maybe, got a little glitch. maybe my local network has gone a bit uh, wonky. It's been going pretty good, but like I say, this is all... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, you know, lots of people are gearing up for Amos, but I've not really experienced it. I'm told it, it creates... It's not like that kind of gimmicky 3D audio. It just creates this a lot more space in a mix, and I really must um, go and listen properly to it before I uh, make any judgments. Yeah. I think that's only fair. I think from a sound design point of view, it kind of creates a different sort of excitement with us because, like, a lot of us when we when we build our, our our tracks and we're kind of building it sort of a pan left to right, and when you've got that ability now to sort of make something sound like it's in front of you or behind you or uh, or tr or even moving, um, you know, from behind left to in front right or something crazy like that. Um, you can even sort of create those sort of feeling, feelings of warmth and cold with different types of, um, you know, effects that way. And I think that's really, really cool for sound design because it really brings the synths as a really important part of that because we, mm. we love things like, you know, we were talking before, I think one of your things coming up is actually a, um, um, a synth that will kind of be that cinematic sort of thing. It would be probably a good segue for that next topic. But... Um, you know, having that sort of ability to sort of develop a three-dimensional space of sound, um, yeah, it, it's something that we all should start to probably start thinking about in future. And I think I wouldn't be surprised in, you know, say 10 years from now that all tracks are made with some sort of three-dimensional sound. I think it's definitely what's going to happen in the future. I think the one thing that I will say about the idea of Atmos is anything that's behind you, we are... You know, our lizard brain is designed to fear that because we don't know what it is. So if you put too much behind, stuff behind one or put it behind you in an Atmos mix, then you're a smart, uh, such a smart thing because I think that's going to cause, you know, it, it, it goes, it, it, it makes uncomfortable without them knowing why. I think I might have frozen again. I'm not sure if that's the case. It seems I have. Oh, am I back again? Glitched a little bit. Like You're still working. Little, well, well, hopefully yep. it will have got that. But yeah, I was, I was, I just quit. I was saying that stuff about Atmos things behind you. If they, if you're hearing something behind you, your reaction is to turn around because you know that's our lizard brain going. Watch out! There's something behind you. It could be a saber-toothed tiger. And I think even in a musical sense, it's still kind of quite problematic if done properly. If done yeah. wrong, <laughs> perhaps. I mean, the people that work in the movie soundtrack industry, you know, have been doing this for years. And um, it's just, it's amazing how it really hasn't, you know, gone sort of mainstream properly. It's its like there's a link that's been there for a long, long, long time. And it just, I think it just needs to happen. And I think it probably held it back is the fact that when we listen to a lot of our music, we listen to them on headphones or um, ear, ear pods or whatever, you know, that's new... Apple AirPods, all those sort of things. They, a lot of that technology really hasn't got uh, the ability to do the three-dimensional yet, and then some of them have. Yeah. So it's kind of because of because of that that we're not we're not really sort of forced to do it as musicians yet. Um, but even still, when you think about live performances, right? 
when you go to a live performance, the first thing that you do is you sit, you stand somewhere in an, a venue and you're experiencing three-dimensional sound. So yeah. that's going to then translate and you'll be able to put yourself in a different position with the, this technology. So I think it's exciting, definitely. Yeah, I, I think it's just about getting it right and figuring out what the parameters are. I, I, I'm sorry, it's gone past me now, but uh, someone in the chat room was saying that, you know, the trick is to anything behind you, move it to the front quickly so that unless it's, you know, a horror film and you want it to work that way, then it will it'll just create that sense of movement. Um, I'm not convinced that my system isn't falling over, so I think maybe it would be wise to to quit while ahead and maybe wrap things up. Um, I know we're going to talk, we were going to talk about the... Uh, uh, where is it now? Uh, the cinematic Ashlight. Uh, Ash uh, well, well, maybe I'll try it. I'll try it, but it may it may be that we can't make it. But I'm amazed that we made it this far via remote stream. So I'm going to do. I'll do Ashlight. So I think this is it. No, that's not it. It's this one. Let's do it. This is the new uh, Native Instruments Ashlight. It's part of the trilogy from uh, Welcome which was, I think it was Farlight, Straylight. A new instrument for immersive cinematic atmospheres and rhythmic textures. Ashlight is all about dark, suspenseful moods and how you can perform sound in real time. Ashlight explores a dark realm of cinematic styles and complements its siblings, Straylight and Farlight, with a tougher, more rhythmic palette. Well, there you have it. It's also got a kind of dark Mordor-like interface, which I'm not a big fan of, if I'm perfectly honest. But um, this is, uh, yeah, it's a contact-based <laughs> instrument. It's part of the trilogy from Native Instruments, uh, currently on offer 149 from 199. That's US dollars. I have a feeling that I think Al, Al Alders from Sonar Traffic was involved in creating some of the presets for this because he posted something on his Facebook and he does some really good patchwork. So that it's going to be a good thing, I think. Um, Darker and colder, you know, the visual, I'm not sure. I don't know how I'm, you know, I, I, it feels a bit gimmicky, but I'm sure it sounds great. I mean, it sounded good, but I'm not sure I like the uh, crack of doom interface. That looks a little bit uh, weird to me. I mean, working with <laughs> Game that of Thrones in front of me. That yeah. Is uh, that work? Uh, I seem to have lost my... No, that's, that's, your, that's your notes, I think. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Okay, well, I think I might have lost my connection. Maybe I'll reconnect it. Let's go back to here while I reconnect. I think there's been some kind of uh, slight wiggly business. So let's see. Is that coming back? Yeah, there we go. So let's go back yeah, to Yeah, you got there. it now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that as an interface, it's not, I'm not feeling that. But um, I guess you can just MIDI control it and whatnot. Have you got any of the other instruments? I do. Um, I, I love the NI stuff. It's good. Um, yeah, it's, it's production it's ready, isn't it? That's the thing. Yeah, you, you could like you all instantly starting to in, invent movies in your mind when you're playing with this stuff, don't you? It's like <laughs> it's just so cinematic. Um, I can I can understand why they you know all the pros use this sort of stuff. It, it's really that whole sort of drowned in reverb and you know granular and it, it's it's awesome. I love it. And I, I look. Um, Interface aside, the sound is the most important thing of this. It does sound amazing. Um, and it actually looked like some of the sort of features in there was quite quite performance-based. So, yeah, be interesting. I, I wouldn't mind getting my hands on this and having a bit of a play. Um, 
you know, mucking around with sort of uh, percussive sounds oh, like cymbals that, and things like that. That's a bit more. That's of, a bit more. Yeah. Uh, vi- yeah, that looks a bit more familiar. This kind of interface. I'm just looking. So it's, yeah, it's granular, yeah. Uh, based in granular. I'm just looking to see what the specs are. Uh, I think it runs standalone. I'm guessing at a glance. Uh, 320 uh, master snapshots. Needs contact player 6.6 and higher. 263 grain source sets, 100 sample sets, two, 4 gigs uncompressed, 2.6 download. So it's not too massive. I mean, that's a pretty reasonable a reasonable chunk. I mean, I think the thing is that it seems to me that um, many sample and many, you know, Spitfire have been the masters of this, uh, whereby they release sort of smaller, mm. more focused instruments that you can add to a larger collection. And it seems like, you know, Native Instruments are doing that, they, and they've fallen behind. Still no word of the uh, M1 compatibility on this, though, so they need to get that together pretty quick, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. You can load your own samples, which is, you know, always helpful with these sort of th- engines. So it just depends on... When you do load your own sample, you know, <laughs> I always find sometimes I load my own samples into these sort of software packages and all of a sudden I'm just disappointed <laughs> because the <laughs> ones that come with it sound amazing. But <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, none of us have those uh, caves to go in and, and knock our hammer on a stalactite or something <laughs> at the same time. But, yeah, I, I think it's going to be cool, this thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing I will say about the native stuff is... The, like you said, the quality of the sound is really, really good. I mean, you know, right back to, uh, I can't remember what the drum one is. What's their drum one called? I can't even remember what it's called. Battery. Right back to battery, you know, that you, battery, you load yeah. a set of sounds mm. and it's just like, that already sounds like a record. They, they, it's, whether it's the quality control or something, that the special source they put in, it's the same for all of their sounds. I mean, their sounds are very, very presentable. They require very little additional work. Um, and they, they require very additional pro, little additional processing, and that is either a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you like to work. But you do get high quality stuff. I think these are yeah they're on offer. Um, I don't know till when, but it's uh, well worth checking out. Um, Rans, what's next for you then? When's your next show? Saturday, uh, always Saturdays at two o'clock UK time. Um, so yeah. Not sure what we're doing this Saturday yet. I haven't actually announced the, the, the link. We usually try and have a topic each week. And like when I say it's a topic, it's kind of to fit. We always have our regular segments on the show, um, which don't change. Um, I might pull out the S2400 in the show. Um, it's going to be very green and, and new if I was to do that, though, because I've only had this for five minutes. Um, but yeah, it's blowing me away. So it's going to be hard to not show it. Um, yeah, hopefully you guys can join us. Be good. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know what my plans are yet. I've been, I, I, the, what I brought home was, and I still don't know how I'm going to be able to record this because I use Capture. I brought the Vector Synth, which I did a Friday fun on. I, I'm, I'm supposed to be looking at this. But all my review stuff is kind of a little bit up in the air because I don't know, you know, I, I'm in a bedroom with very little space or lights or sound equipment. So it's going to be quite challenging to figure out how I might present more content if I do have to isolate. But uh, at least I know I could run a show now. This is this has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, wh- where's your YouTube channel, Rans? What's it called? Is it uh, just Ranzi? Just Ranzi. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash Ranzi. Uh, that's how you can Brilliant. find me. Or just Ranzi.com. Easy. Nice one. Well, Ranzi, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure and, and for being game. I know it's late where you are, but uh, I hope you don't have to get up early tomorrow. Not too late. Uh, but that... No, oh, good. 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 Uh, 
Good, good. Okay, well, uh, I think we'll probably uh, knock on the head. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks to our uh, uh, chat room people and YouTube, Sonic State Live, and all the IRC. All seems to work. I hope the experience hasn't been too disjointed for you. But like I say, I'm going to finesse this a little bit. It just means the thing that's kind of interesting is this means I might be able to do this from anywhere. So, hmm, if we do get to Super Booth, mm, I'm thinking we beach. might actually bring some... Well, yeah, I don't know about that. I think that would be running a VPN over a mobile network <laughs> to, to run a show might be a little challenging. But what it does mean, potentially, we can do some stuff like at Super Booth, where I, I could be sitting here, people could be dialing in via phones from the show floor while we have a presentation and remote guests. It may be possible, but again, I don't know if we're going yet because there's all sorts of hurdles to jump through. And again, you know, if I, if I have to isolate, I'm not going to go anywhere, but I'm hoping it's all going to work out. But Ramsey, thanks so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah, thank you. And right. um, obviously best wishes to your family. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think she's going to be all right. I'm just feeling pretty crock at the moment. But uh, okay, that's it for this time. Uh, I will see you all next time. I think I've got a stop button. So let's see what happens when I press this. Thanks for watching, everybody. See you next time. Yeah.